the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Joshua. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Are you on my side, God? And how many times has this theologically happened to I hear people who get into this kind of a tussle and they're like, God, you know, are you a Calvinist God or are you Arminian? I want to know, are you Republican or are you Democrat? I want to know, are you on our side or are you on their side? Hey, we're asking the wrong questions. The question we should be asking is, Lord, am I on your side? How are you leading and how can I get on your team? That's what we need to be asking. Is God on my side? Think about the Civil War, the Crusades, and even the Holocaust. So many atrocities of the past have been done in the name of God by people who decided something was right and sought to prove God was on their side. In his message today, Pastor Gary will challenge us with the more important question, am I on God's side? Instead of using God to prove your own agenda, Are you praying and seeking what God is up to and throwing yourself wholeheartedly into His agenda? At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Joshua, chapter 4, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Point number two is that Gilgal represented a place of recommitting their lives with circumcision. Now, let me just talk about this a little bit. And, uh, you know, this is, this is not going to be like biology 101, but I am going to talk about it from a biblical standpoint, because when we talk about circumcision and covenant, you know, you might look at that and think, what in the world is happening here? Let me read on and explain. Verse three. And so Joshua made flint knives for himself. And circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. I mean, that's what happens when you circumcise a few million guys. Um, (laughs) Verse 4. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. So that was the first generation who were circumcised. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. And then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. All right. Now your attention. Here's the deal. In order to understand the purpose of circumcision, you have to understand covenant. 
God made a covenant. There were a few different types of covenant throughout the Old Testament. And there's one great new covenant in the New Testament. But one covenant in particular that God made was in Genesis chapter 17 with Abraham. When a covenant is made, and by the way, a covenant is a unilateral, unconditional promise that God makes. I'll say it again for you note takers. A covenant is a unilateral, unconditional promise that God makes. All right? And when God makes a promise, he never breaks his promise. And he seals it. The signature is an oath. And the covenant often involved the shedding of blood as the signature of that oath that God makes. Unconditional, unilateral. When God made a covenant with Abraham, the covenant was that there was a people that would be born out of the seed of Abraham. That would end up being, of course, the Jewish people. And from that race of people would come a Messiah. As part of the covenant that God made with Abraham, it was not only about a people, it was also about a place. Because in Genesis 15, 18, God promised on oath to Abraham and his descendants a place to live. And that place to live was the territory between the Nile River and the Euphrates River, approximately 300,000 square miles. Israel today only has 8,130 square miles. They've never fully taken the place that God intended when he made on oath to the descendants of Abraham that territory. Now, listen to me on this. You know, right now in the news, out of Gaza have been fired more than a thousand rockets into Israel. And the basis behind it, say what you might, I got Palestinian friends too. I'm uh, compassionate towards them as well. But say what you might about how this latest struggle started to be firing a thousand rockets is overkill. And why is it overkill? Because at the end of the day, Hamas in particular does not believe that Israel should be entitled to the land. The problem is that God swore on oath to the descendants of Abraham, to the Jewish people, that the land was part of the covenant. And God spells it out with the borders. So, We should be praying for the Israelis. We should be praying for the Palestinians. It's always a very difficult thing to see this conflict, but it traces all the way back to Ishmael and Isaac, okay? Um, And by the way, you know, as much as all of us would want to see peace, the reality is peace in the Middle East is not going to happen until the Prince of Peace comes. So we should continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem because the Bible instructs us to do that. And we should have compassion for people who are caught in the crossfire. But if man tries to settle this, uh, man's just going to make it worse. I'm I'm sorry to say, Um, even as much as, you know, President Trump tried to bring some peace to the Middle East region, which was really ushered the whole peace process that he attempted to implement was really brought about by his son-in-law, okay, by Jared Kushner. And the problem is that part of the peace process was to give up land for peace. Land for peace has never worked. And it's never worked because when God on oath as a covenant uh, makes 300,000 square miles part of the title deed, and then people say, no, give up your 8,100 square miles, it just never works, you see. But what God did in his original covenant with Abraham 
was to say, now here's the signature to this covenant. I want you, God said to Abraham back in Genesis 17, to circumcise yourself, to circumcise Ishmael, and then later all the rest of the Jews that would be born to the seed of Abraham. Abraham was 99 years old. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? There's been no other ritual or rite like this before. And so here's Abraham. He's like 99 going, tell me again what you want me to do, God. Not sure I'm following you on this one. Why Why do you want me to do that? You know, okay. Here's why God wanted him to do that. Because if you think, well, that, is, that seems kind of a weird thing. You know, why is circumcision a sign of the covenant? Genesis 17, 11, specifically, God said to Abraham, circumcision will be a sign of my covenant to you. Here's the reason why. There's two reasons, all right? Number one, because God never wants us to rely on the flesh. So it is a cutting away of the flesh as a reminder, you are never to rely on the flesh. You are to rely on me. There's a second reason why circumcision was a sign of the covenant, okay? Because God asked Abraham and every successive generation, and it's renewed right here in Genesis chapter 5, God's instruction to Joshua to do this, because an entire generation of males had come out of Egypt that were born in the wilderness that had not been circumcised. God says, I want you to put a knife to the place of reproduction, so that you will always remember that you are my children and that you are to reproduce children after you who will honor me also. So there was a reason for it. As, as barbaric, you know, why, why would God, part of the covenant, the signs, I want you to do this, okay? And, and now, you know, in many countries, including in America, it's more of a hygienic thing. But the sign of the covenant was, I want you to always remember you were never to rely on the flesh. And I want you to always remember by putting a knife to the place of reproduction that you are a people belonging to me. And that you are to produce children who also belong to me. This is a covenant relationship. Now, as I mentioned, there are a few different covenants in the Old Testament. The Abrahamic covenant is only one of them. I won't take time to go over the various ones. But then I said there's one great covenant in the New Testament, right? Because remember when Jesus broke bread at that last Passover with his disciples. And he broke bread and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And he took the cup. And he said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you. You see, the sign of the new covenant was the shedding of Christ's blood on the cross to purchase us from sin. God made a unilateral, unconditional promise that if you accept Jesus Christ and believe that his sacrifice on the cross and his shed blood was sufficient for you to pay for your sins and to accomplish for you what you could not do for yourself, you shall be saved. That's God's unilateral, unconditional promise. That's the last covenant. That's why, by the way, in our Bibles, we have old covenant, okay? Genesis to Malachi, new covenant, Matthew to Revelation, because it's a separation of the previous covenants having been fulfilled in the ultimate covenant that Jesus Christ provided by virtue of his sacrifice on the cross. God is a covenant-keeping God, and God has made a new covenant with us. 
that if we would humble ourselves and trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we might be saved. And he promises that. He says, your salvation, I enter into covenant with you, and I promise you eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. So when we read here about all of this with circumcision, you have to understand covenant because this is a recommitting. They are recommitting their lives as consecrated unto God. We are a people set apart for your purposes. We are putting the knife to the flesh of the men to remember never to rely on the flesh and at the place of reproduction that we are a people, a children belonging to you. And so uh, God instructs Joshua, you do this there in Gilgal. Before there's any conquest, there has to be consecration here. And so in verse 8, and so it was that when they had finished circumcising all the people, that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Okay, now how long did that take? We don't know. Maybe, you know, a couple of weeks. I don't know. But that's why it's good that the heart of the kings who were enemies of the Israelites had melted because they're just paralyzed with fear. And God is using that as a time to bring healing to his own people because there's no warfare yet. So these guys are well protected by the Lord while they're healing. And verse nine, then the Lord said to Joshua, this day, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And the third thing is Gilgal is a place for removing the reproach of Egypt. Now this is a play on words because Gilgal in Hebrew means to roll away, to roll away. And so the very place where they're staying in Hebrew means roll away. It can also mean circle because, you know, the, a circle and rolling, the whole idea of something circular rolling. But he's using this as a play on words. God saying, you're here in Gilgal, a place that means roll away because today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt. You know, there was obviously a stigma attached to them after they had been 400 years in slavery. And the Lord comes along and says, no more. Here's what I love about this. Because in a similar way, I don't know what your personal past is, and I know what my personal past is, but in terms of like the reputation we had or the sin that we've committed and the stuff we've done in the past, the beautiful thing about coming into relationship with Jesus is that he rolls away the reproach of our past. There's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. So whatever you may have done in the past, when you come into relationship with Jesus, as far as he's concerned, he removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. So there's no more reproach about your life in the eyes of God. You're a new creature in him, redeemed, forgiven. The rest of verse 10, therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Verse 10, now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. So notice in verse 10, this is number Uh, four on our list, there's rejoicing now. They're going to celebrate the feast of Passover right here at Gilgal. Do you remember what it was, when it was that they left Egypt when they were slaves? It was Passover. When they left Egypt, it was the first Passover. That's when God said, I want you to sprinkle the blood of the lambs on the doorposts of the lintels of your home. And when I see the blood, I will pass over your homes, Pesach. I will pass over your homes and I will not bring death to your families. It's a picture again of the blood of Christ. 
When we come under the blood of Jesus and we come into a relationship with him, then death does not come to us. Yes, physical death, but our spirit goes to be with the Lord forever. God passes over us. There's no judgment against us because we come in the righteousness of Christ and the righteousness of the son whom he loves. So it was Passover when they left Egypt, and now in God's perfect timing, it's Passover when they enter the promised land. It's the 14th day of Nisan. And so they're going to rejoice in the goodness of the Lord, and they're going to celebrate the Passover here. And then verse 11 says, And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain, on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. So no more Krispy Kreme donuts, I'm sorry to say. You know, manna in Hebrew just literally translates, what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. And God would, you know, cover the landscape through the wilderness with it's a mixture of coriander seed and it was this sweet like wafer substance that they would take off every day, every morning, uh, only twice the day before the Sabbath so they wouldn't have to do it on Sabbath. And they would skim it off and take it off the ground and they would eat it. That's how God sustained them, that and quail. What we're talking about is Krispy Kreme and Chick-fil-A, friends. And uh, that's what God did. I'm just telling you, that's what the Message Bible says, I'm sure. But anyway, uh, but God sustained them. Now they're in the promised land, and now the manna stops on the day they entered the promised land. Why? Because God's going to be faithful to provide for them now in the land. And so Gilgal represents a time of relying upon the Lord. Because now they're going to feed off the land, off the sustenance that God is providing for them. Because now they're in the promised land. No more manna is necessary. They can rely on God for food from the land. And verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold... A man, now notice, I'm reading New King James, but man is capitalized. Notice that. A man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. Notice also the pronouns, his are capitalized. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And so he said, no, neither. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord, Adon in Hebrew, what does my Lord say to his servant? And then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Is that directive not familiar? Do you remember that God told Moses the same thing when God spoke to Moses from the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3? Take off your sandals because the place where you're standing, you're in my presence. I want you to know that you're standing on holy ground. Take off your sandals. Which tells us something about this encounter. Because if the same language is used from God speaking to Moses from the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, as it is here when this captain of the Lord's army says this to Joshua, what we have here in the last part of chapter 5 is something in theological terms called a Christophany. This is an appearance of the Lord himself. 
This is Christ who's taken on flesh. We have to remember that even though Jesus is born of a virgin in the New Testament, that's only when God takes on flesh to enter the human race to die for the sins of the world. But Jesus has always coexisted because he is God with God. Jesus and God are co-eternal, co-equal, and they've always coexisted along with the Holy Spirit. God is one God who reveals himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are times in the Old Testament, this is one of them, when God takes on a human appearance, otherwise known as the second part of the Trinity. This is Jesus. So when we read here about the commander of the army of the Lord, this is how he identifies himself. I am the commander of the army of the Lord. I have now come. This is an appearance of the Lord. He's coming here. And Joshua has to realize that this place also represents the last one on our list. Gilgal is a place for resigning. He's resigning to the authority now of the Lord himself. He's surrendering here. He is uh, acknowledging because Joshua falls on his face when he realizes this is none other than the Lord my God. And he calls him Adon in the Hebrew. This is the Lord. He, he, he resigns himself to the Lord's leadership here, to the Lord's authority. He surrenders to him. But I love the question, don't you? So Joshua, before they take Jericho, is gazing up towards Jericho. And he sees a man. Now it's capitalized because this is the Lord, but he doesn't realize it's the Lord. So when he sees this guy with drawn sword, his question to him is, are you on our side or are you on the enemy's side? I just need to know whose side are you on? Do you know how many times we do that with God? Do you know how many times, think about it in your life, where you've gotten ahead of God and then you want to know, is God on your side? Well, wait a minute. That's not the right question. Are you on my side, God? And how many times has this theologically happened to? I hear people who get into this kind of a tussle and they're like, God, you know, are you a Calvinist God or are you Arminian? I want to know. Are you Republican or are you Democrat? I want to know. Are you on our side or are you on their side? Hey, we're asking the wrong questions. The question we should be asking is, Lord, am I on your side? How are you leading And how can I get on your team? That's what we need to be asking. Joshua at first is wanting to know, are you on my team or are you on the enemy's team? And the Lord says, you're asking the wrong question. Neither. He says, no. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. I'm the one in charge, Joshua. And I want you to know that. And when Joshua realizes this, then he resigns himself and surrenders to the lordship of the Lord. This is what we need to be about. Sometimes we want to know if God will bless our endeavors. What we really need to be about is, Lord, what are you up to? And let me get in on what you're up to. Um, I've been asked many times over now 30 years that I've been pastoring here at Cornerstone, you know, particularly from other pastors, like, what was your five-year plan? And, you know, how did things happen and explode a cornerstone? Here's what I always said to them. I don't have a five-month plan. Are you kidding me? And not that I've always done it right, for sure. But one of the things that Pastor Chuck Smith always, you know, tried to instill in us Calvary Chapel pastors is, you don't get ahead of God. You look to see what he's up to, and then you get in on that. 
If you follow his lead, this is so true for us personally in our lives. If you look for where God is leading and follow him, it goes far better for us than if we try to get ahead of God and then hope that he'll bless it. It's not which side are you on. It's, Lord, am I following after you? Because you are the commander of the army of Israel, and you are the Holy One. You are God Almighty. You are the Lord. You are omnipotent. You are king. You are majestic in all your ways. God, help me to follow you. Amen. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this message in the book of Joshua again, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Under the teachings option, you can download our mobile app to stay connected with God's Word everywhere you go. While you're there, you'll notice our companion resources. These digital study guides give you some additional insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done. They are completely free for you to use. If this ministry continues to be a blessing to you and you want to listen to more teachings, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify so you never miss another message. Cornerstone Connection is a ministry out of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you in person, so come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today, so put a marker in your Bible right there in Joshua, and we'll plan to study the Word again next time. Thanks so much for listening to Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.